Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the VA has announced plans to open a new outpatient healthcare clinic in Findlay, a valuable and much-needed resource that will provide improved access to critical services for thousands of area veterans. We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, today is the voter registration deadline for November's election, which will be driven by issues on abortion rights and the legalization of recreational marijuana in Ohio. And gather your gratitude. We have details on upcoming fall wellness programming from the Hancock County OSU Extension. Jennifer Little will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, October 10th, 2023. I want to thank uh, Bill Rice for uh, filling in for me on the air yesterday. And if you listening to the podcast, is there, what was yesterday's podcast? Sorry, there was none. It was just, I, I yeah, it just came on. It was really weird uh, Thursday. We, you know, we got all that rain on Thursday. It was kind of a dreary day on on Thursday and, and uh, feeling a little gloomy. And then uh, Friday, man, it hit me. Uh, made it through Friday's show, barely. And... Uh, and then I was out the rest of the day and most of the weekend spent uh, in bed trying to recover from whatever it was. Hit me like a ton of bricks uh, over the weekend and and so decided to take an extra day yesterday to just kind of fully recover and uh, feeling much better today. Thank you very much to those who reached out. Um, but it is good to be back and, and again, thanks to Bill for uh, filling in for me uh, yesterday on the air. But... Uh, Back in the saddle once again today, as they say, and uh, was following over the weekend the incredible stories uh, coming out of uh, Israel with that uh, attack by Hamas and now the counterattack uh, into uh, Gaza uh, by Israeli forces, this back and forth. Um, one of the most dramatic stories that I uh, read about uh, with this uh conflict uh, in Israel is the Israeli couple that killed seven Hamas militants in order to save their children after the fighters came to their home. Um, the story of uh, Adar and Ite Berdyshevsky, I think is how you pronounce it. I have no idea. I'm probably that is wrong. Um, but this uh, couple, woman or husband, um, both uh, had both served in the Israeli army as officers and therefore were able to fight back when Hamas came to their home. According to uh, news reports out of Israel, when the militants approached their house, the couple hid their 10-month-old twins in a reinforced security room required in all new buildings by Israeli law for just such an incident. And uh, so they hid their kids, 10 months old, twins, uh, in the security room and then went back out to wait for the militants in the main house to distract their attention from their children. Uh, They killed seven militants, but in the firefight were both killed themselves. Their children remained in the hiding place by themselves for 13 hours, 10-month-old twins, 
for 13 hours in this secure room room before their uncle and grandfather found them there. Uh, Mom and dad are gone, but the kids are safe now. They are surrounded by love and care. Um, Ite's brother and Adar's father, who fought the militants for hours and saved dozens of people, though couldn't reach their own relatives in time to save them. But they found the kids, and uh, so the story has a rather bittersweet, somewhat happy ending uh, for the children. But it, it just that story really hit me, uh, probably because it it demonstrates the humanity in in the whole thing. Uh, in that here was here were mom and dad just protecting their lives, their children uh, over themselves, and. Um, just incredibly, incredibly sad, tragic, heroic, uh, and really just drives the uh, story home. And it just really, really struck me, that uh, that story. Uh, so uh, today is uh, the start of uh, Amazon's, uh, what is it, the big deal days? The fall prime day deal uh, for Amazon begins today. So a lot of folks be doing some shopping today. This I kind uh, kind of thought was interesting. Do you see the um, the story? This actually was in the news. I think last week uh, I saw this. The tail end of last week, uh, a charge that Amazon has deployed a secret algorithm to gauge how high it could raise prices before its competitors stopped increasing their prices as well. So, in other words, how high can we take our prices? before they become uncompetitive. They've got a whole algorithm for this. I mean, we talk about Amazon and Prime Day is when you can get uh, all of these great deals, but everyday shopping on Amazon, they're like any other uh, company. They want to maximize their profits. They want to know how high they they have this algorithm, know how high they can get the prices before uh, they are pricing themselves above the competition. The existence of the algorithm, codenamed Project Nessie, was first revealed late last month in a complaint filed by the Federal Trade Commission accusing the e-commerce giant of violating U.S. antitrust law. I don't know. Is that really, isn't that what all retailers do? Is they try and raise prices as high as they can, but not so high that they are above everybody else and want to max- maximize profits, but they don't want to be the highest one uh, in, a, uh, in a market? The fact that they're doing it via artificial intelligence is natural because they're a tech company. I don't know that this is any different than any other company does. The FTC's public complaint alluded to Project Nessie, but the section was heavily redacted in uh, initial reports. According to the uh, Wall Street Journal, which first reported this last week, uh, the uh, AI algorithm would inflate prices and monitor whether other retailers like Target or Walmart, would follow suit. If the competing retailers maintain the lower price, the algorithm then would automatically revert Amazon's to its normal price. Uh, According to the complaint, Nessie allegedly helped Amazon increase its profits by artificially, artificially increasing its prices across different shopping categories until the company reportedly stopped using it in 2019. 
FTC spokesperson Doug Farrar tells the journal, quote, we once again call on Amazon to move swiftly to remove the redactions and allow the American public to see the full scope of what we allege are their illegal monopolistic practices, unquote. Uh, This is just one of many ways the FTC has accused Amazon of illegally maintaining its market dominance in the e-commerce industry. In the agency's September complaint, the company is accused of using a variety of methods like burying listings to deter sellers from offering products at a lower price on competing platforms. So, there. We love Amazon and their prime big deal days, but uh, going after them for everything else, I guess. Such is the uh, world of e-commerce, I guess. Uh, speaking of which, um, I, and I did this, uh, over the weekend, you know, with a lot of free time on my hands since I did nothing over the weekend, uh, and yesterday spent a lot of time on the internet, scrolling social media, you know, just killing time. Are you a casual internet user or a full blown internet addict? Scientists in the UK have developed an internet internet addiction spectrum based on data from nearly 800 test subjects. So they actually have a spectrum for internet addiction. About 15% of participants in the study uh, were casual users who go online for a specific task and then log off. Uh, Initial users... Uh, which make up 23% of users, might neglect household chores in favor of being online. If you've ever put off something, you know you should be doing something else, but you uh, are online anyway, eh, you've got a maybe a bit of a problem. Experimenters feel uneasy or anxious without the Internet. If you've ever f- had that fear of missing out, that FOMO, because something might be going on in the Internet that... You aren't aware of addicts in denial begin to neglect real world responsibilities in favor of being online. That's when you know you are starting to get into trouble. Addicts in denial. 22% of participants fell into the addicts category, full blown addiction. This is a segment that acknowledges the negative impact internet use has on their lives and yet still goes about, you know, still unable to change their behavior. They know that it has a negative impact, and yet they just can't help themselves. Those are the addicts, 22% of the uh, participants in this, uh, in this study. Um, while there was no link between gender and online behaviors, higher confidence in using mobile technology was associated with greater addiction rates. And the way I read that is uh, greater addiction rates among younger people who are certainly more comfortable, more confident in using mobile technologies. Kind of interesting there. So we now actually have uh, definitions, clear definitions for Internet addicts, apparently. A couple other uh, items here among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, A new survey of 2,000 adults find a surprising number of people find it relaxing 
to perform household chores. (laughs) 91% agreed that tranquility can be found in performing everyday tasks, tasks, and 56% think chores can be more relaxing than yoga or medication, or medication, meditation. 56% chores can be more relaxing than yoga or meditation. That, to me, just sounds like something that a parent would tell their kid to try and get them to do the dishes. You know? That's... <laughs> or, or put their laundry away. Hey, it's relaxing. It's, uh... <laughs> it is, it's good for you. <laughs> that's, that's in that what we tell our kid? Um, that just doesn't seem like that would be uh, real data. But apparently it is, so... We're right all along. Now, uh, mom and dad, you can actually scientifically, with scientific certainty, tell your kids that doing their chores <laughs> is, is healthy for them. And I saw this story, and I just had to share. I love this. Uh, apparently, Jimmy Buffett now has a snail named after him. Scientists in Florida are nail- naming a newly discovered snail after the Jimmy Buffett song, Margaritaville. The Cayo Margarita is a bright yellow worm snail uh, named after the song. It is a type of mollusk that sticks to surfaces in the coral reef. The report's lead author said the team was, quote, no stranger to the regional signature drink or the famous singer, unquote. (laughs) They wanted to reference the color of the drink. And the place it lives in the coral reef, and so the uh, hence in honor of Jimmy Buffett, the late Jimmy Buffett, the Cayo Margarita snail. I think Jimmy Buffett would get a real kick out of that. I think he would. <laughs> I think he would love that. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny today with a high in the mid to upper 50s. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 40. The Finley Police Department says a man is facing kidnapping charges after a woman reported being held against her will in a trailer. The police department says officers located the trailer in the rear of 718 College Street and the suspect arrived on the scene when officers were checking the trailer. Police say the 60-year-old suspect was taken into custody without incident and booked at the Hancock County Jail on kidnapping charges. The woman was taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital and treated for injuries that are not life-threatening. Get more on this case in the story on our website. This is National Fire Prevention Week, and this year the focus is on home cooking safety. Eric Wilkins is fire inspector for the Finley Fire Department. Cooking fires are the leading cause of home structure fires in the U.S. Uh, They accounted for 44% of all all reported home structure fires. Uh, Finley is no different. Cooking-related fires are the leading cause of fires right here in Finley, Ohio. He says some cooking safety tips are be alert, stay in the kitchen when cooking, and keep anything that can catch on fire away from the stove. Get more safety tips from the Finley Fire Department and this story on our website. It's the time of year that leaves begin to pile up, but there are some restrictions for getting rid of them. Open burning is illegal in the months of October and November between the hours of 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Yard waste, trash, and debris burning, even if it's in a safe barrel, are illegal. Officials say dry leaves and dead grass increase the risk of wildfires, especially in the fall. Eric Brown, ONN News. Owens Community College is expanding its CDL training program to the Finley area campus. The course will provide students with the skills necessary to become a professional CDL Class A truck driver. 
In the short-term training program, students will be taught by licensed instructors through 160 course hours, 40 in the classroom, and 120 hours of hands-on training on the road. Owens Community College says for quite some time it's been approached about adding the program to the Finley area campus. The first class will be offered October 27th through January 27th. Get more details in the story on our website. And don't forget you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning involves a big story that we heard the tail end of last week that the VA, the Veterans Administration, has announced plans to open a new outpatient health care clinic in Findlay, which will be a valuable and much needed resource to provide improved access to critical services for thousands of area veterans. Joining us this morning is Hancock County Veterans Service Office Executive Director Nicole Coleman. And Nicole, this is Big news and very, very good news, uh, I would imagine, for local veterans. It is, yeah. It will be fantastic to have a clinic in Finley with a primary care physician and mental health services. Um, You know, for right now, our veterans are traveling to Lima or Toledo or Marion, and that's where they're going to get those services. And so having, having those services available right here, um, they're going to be in the old Social Security Administration building, right. and they anticipate opening early summer. So and not too far away. Yeah. Uh, so how, how much contact did you have with the, uh, with the VA uh, to know that this, was, that this was coming, or did you find out about this uh, along with everybody else on Friday? No, so we found out uh, probably about six, maybe even nine months ago. Wow. Um, so this but, has been in the works for quite some time. Right. But they just, they were, they were working to find the right location. Mm. And, um, and uh, I think the, maybe the, the most important thing, and, and, you know, from your standpoint, you can, uh, kind of share your thoughts, but I thought the the fact that mental health services will be one of the uh, primary things that will be uh, available through this clinic, uh, I think is uh, particularly invaluable. Yeah, it is. So the VA uses telehealth services for a lot of the mental health services, but there also are a lot of people who don't like using telehealth when it comes to their mental health. Mm -hmm. And so that meant that, you know, if they were going to have a one-hour counseling session or a 30-minute appointment with a psychiatrist, they would be driving 45 minutes to an hour one way, which meant a half a day off of work. Or, you know, for the retired people... uh, a half a day of their time. And so having that service available locally is going to be a huge benefit for the veterans. Now, there will be uh, things that that people will still have to go to one of the uh, main centers for. This will be uh, a clinic and and outreach of the Ann Arbor uh, VA uh, Center, right? Correct. So this is just primary care, mental health, and I don't, I don't have the press release in front of me, so I can't remember what their, 
there are five, four or five things that they're mm-hmm. going to offer. Yeah. Um, but for those who are listening, who are veterans that use the VA healthcare system, um, you know that a VA medical center has multiple satellite clinics. And you, once you are enrolled in the VA healthcare system, whatever medical center you are enrolled in, you can only use the satellite clinics associated with that hospital. So for example, like you said, this is a clinic that is a satellite of the Ann Arbor Hospital. So a good majority of the veterans who live in Hancock County use the Toledo Clinic, which means they're enrolled in the Ann Arbor VA healthcare system. Mm. So the detail I'm trying to find out right now is what is that process going to look like for them to request to transfer to Finley? That's what I was. For, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What are the? What do we still not know about how this will all play out? Uh, yeah. So that that is the the big thing that I'm trying to assess right now. Um, the other thing is if we for the for the veterans who live in Hancock County who use. Marion, they are enrolled in Columbus, and if they use Lima, they're enrolled in Dayton. Mm. If they want to use Finley, they are going to have to transfer to the Ann Arbor Hospital. And then once they transfer to the Ann Arbor Hospital, um, I mean, all of their records, everything will be electronically transferred, so the new doctors will have access to everything. But where that becomes sticky or challenging for the veteran and their families to navigate is if they have several specialists, meaning, um, you know, an oncologist and uh, I don't know, a lot of the different specialties, that might be something that they're not going to be interested in making that change because they have a relationship with these multiple doctors. Yeah. So uh, there might still be some, I don't want to say glitches in the system, but there are uh, are uh, other considerations that will have to be taken into account. But I would think more than anything, uh, this also will be able to make this more accessible for veterans who have, to this point, not availed themselves of some of these VA services that they would other be otherwise be eligible for because of travel uh, concerns and, and that right. kind of thing. Yes, and that is exactly what we are hoping is that the veterans who <clears throat> don't currently use the VA healthcare system who live in Hancock County will start using it. And not just Hancock County. I mean, it could be the Seneca County veterans. Um, I would assume Wood County. I mean, they could either go towards Toledo or towards Finley, mm-hmm. but it really is going to simplify it, the travel process for the veterans in Hancock County and Seneca County. And I would imagine also it will relieve some of the backlog uh, of uh, of cases because I know uh, the VA in recent years has been criticized for long wait times and and uh, you know the availability of services and getting veterans in for timely care. Yes, I I do think that that is part of why the VA is looking at where where do they need more clinics to mm-hmm. help offset 
that backlog. So uh, some, like you said, there are some details or some information that still has yet to be fleshed out. Uh, How soon do you expect to be able to have some of those answers for veterans who may have questions, uh, some of the questions that you would just raise? I'm hoping in the next six to eight weeks to have had more uh, meetings and details delivered from the VA Medical Center out of Ann Arbor. Again, this is one of the uh, functions of the Veterans Service Office is to be able to coordinate all of that information. You have those meetings, you have those conversations, you have those contacts to be able to get uh, that information to local veterans. Right. Yeah, we are we are working behind the scenes all the time to make sure that we're staying on top of um, any changes with disability benefits, health care benefits, um, mental health needs that veterans have in our community. So this is this is one of the things and we're really excited about this change coming. So uh, with all of that in mind, again, very good news for local veterans and uh like you said, this clinic going to be uh, opening fairly quickly. What should uh, veterans uh, who might be impacted by this, what should they be doing right now? Anything? I don't think that there's anything that anyone needs to do right now. But what I will say is if there are veterans who are not enrolled in the VA healthcare system, um, take advantage of this time to get enrolled, um, kind of get that process started. And our office will do all of the paperwork. We'll submit the paperwork and help answer the questions you have uh, in the meantime. Well, that was going to be my next question then. How do they begin that process? Yep, that's that's the best way is call our office to schedule an appointment, uh, 419-424-7036. Um, or you can uh, look at information on our website, which is HancockVeterans.com. And we have that linked up at our webpage as well. Again, Hancock County Veterans Service Office Executive Director Nicole Coleman with us this morning. Good news uh, from the VA about this new outpatient health care clinic coming to Findlay, hopefully early part of next year. Nicole, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. So today is the voter registration deadline for November's election, which will be driven by issues on abortion rights and the legalization of recreational marijuana in Ohio. And joining us this morning is State Representative John Cross. Ms. Cross, thanks very much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you, morning, Chris. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, voter registration deadline is today. Early voting begins tomorrow for uh, November's election. So uh, this is, <coughs> excuse me, very uh, timely for those who have already decided where they stand on uh, these uh, two issues. And it's kind of uh, interesting. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, issue two before uh, issue one, the legalization of recreational sure. marijuana. Uh, as I understand it, this is uh, this is not a constitutional uh, amendment. The uh, marijuana issue, uh, correct? That's correct. Issue one is a constitutional issue. Issue right. two that deals with recreational marijuana is not. So, uh, and, and 
you are uh, you are opposed to both of these issues uh, personally, but right. your uh, thought is that this one uh, issue two may stand a uh, greater chance of passing. Yeah, it seems it seems right now from what we've been told that there's some information out there that the public does support this. But I wanted to come on your radio show today to talk about both issues and why I'm, I'm voting no on both and really help educate, at least from a no position, on these mm-hmm. two issues. Because it's important, Chris, issue one and issue two can get very confusing from what people just voted upon in August. Right. Different, right. different issues, right? So I want to make sure, let's clear the air right now. Uh, issue one and issue two this November is completely different than what you voted on in August. So that's number one. Number yeah. two, issue number two, the reason why I'm voting no is, first, I have been consistent uh, since I've been in the legislature that we should not be passing any legislation that supports recreational marijuana for what I think is really three uh, main reasons. One, uh, I don't support, obviously, uh, this drug and I think it's obviously bad for, you know, our, our communities and all that. But really, there's other things to it. There are, it's going to drive up uh, health care costs, Medicare, Medicaid costs. There's cases in Colorado and Michigan and others where people have gotten severely sick from this. This is not the marijuana that your parents or grandparents smoked in the 60s. This is much harsher and, and, and more deadlier. Um, if you if you don't like seeing all the billboards in Michigan uh, selling pot, all those billboards are going to be lined up down 75 here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And w- one thing I noticed in Nevada and California is where they legalized it in Nevada and California, everyone thinks they're going to be making money on this and the local government's going to be making money. It's, it's actually backfiring because it's actually leading people to go more to the black market and back to the streets because no one wants to pay tax. As soon as they found out they have to pay tax on marijuana, they went back to their drug dealers, they went back to the back alleys, they went back to the streets to buy the drug uh, to curb the taxes on it. And it and it's really causing uh, businesses that were thinking they could make a lot of money in the marijuana business start to go bankrupt and not do so well. And so I think, once again, that they're selling this on, this is going to be great for local governments to get a lot of money. This is going to be great because, you know, we don't have to worry about this issue and putting a lot of people in jail. There's not a lot of people sitting in jail because of this issue. We're not crowding our jails because of this issue. Uh, And so um, for the issues of marketing to our young people, obviously the drug being bad in general and leading to a gateway drug to other drugs and really uh, pushing this back on the streets to drug dealers and others because people don't want to pay the taxes. This is not what we want to be doing. I do support medical marijuana. I think medical marijuana that we have in Ohio is the right way to go for people who need it for medical reasons, and it's better controlled that way. But recreational and letting it go loose is going to cause workforce issues, family issues, uh, it's just not good all the way around. Uh, it is uh, very true that uh, in many states where this has been uh, legalized, it is it has been very difficult to manage the restrictions that are placed. I, I know you referenced Nevada. I know uh, yeah. in Nevada, yeah. you cannot smoke it uh, openly, legally, 
uh, out in public, and yet anybody who's been to Vegas uh, in the past six months to a year knows that that is uh, almost impossible to enforce. Um, But I I understand, uh, you know, what you're what you're saying uh, with respect to you know driving people back to the black market um and and are, are you saying there would be no windfall uh to the state at all to this well i'm i'm skeptical of the windfall because they said the same thing back in the day about casinos remember when they had the casino issues on the ballot right. and the constitutional amendment there and they said oh the state's going to make all this money uh by having casinos in there well that never really panned out uh the well, there has you been the there has been some. It's maybe not some, been right. it's not yeah. been the windfall that maybe was predicted. That's right. But that's right. I, I never think we're going to solve government spending uh, or or uh, have uh, flush full of cash because of uh, some new opportunity like this. I, I just think it's that's not the, really the selling point. I, I think of just safe communities, uh, keeping drugs out of uh, kids' hands, and. You know, um, I just don't see it as a, a win-win. And any other state that I've looked at, whether it's Colorado, Michigan, Nevada, California, I just don't see so, too many upsides. I don't see anyone saying, hey, John, that's really good for us in the state. Uh, you should do it, too. I just think, um, you know, people are trying to make drugs easier and accessible, and this is just not the way to do it. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk a little bit about issue one. Now, uh, as sure. you mentioned, uh, the issue one on the November ballot is not the same as issue one on the special election uh, ballot back in August, but the two are related in that right. uh, issue one, which tried to uh, raise the threshold for. Uh, implementing a constitutional amendment was targeted at what is issue one on the November ballot, which is enshrining uh, abortion rights or as proponents have called them reproductive rights into the Ohio Constitution. Yeah, I, I, I think it's no shock and surprise to your listeners that people know that I have been <clears throat> pro-life since day one and, and I have voted on the heartbeat bill We've tried to pass a lot of legislation in the state legislature to protect innocent human life. And I see this as an extreme ballot initiative to go around the legislature. And just so the, the, the uh, listeners understand, when you pass the constitutional amendment, we can't just, the legislature cannot just say, well, we, we're going to change it through the Ohio Revised Code, you have to have another constitutional amendment to change this again. Right. So I think it's really important that voters understand that once you vote yes or no on this, uh, and, and, it, and if it fails, great. If it passes, you're stuck with this until there's another constitutional amendment. <clears throat> and the reason why I think it's extreme, Chris, and people may disagree with me, but, but it removes parents' rights. They, they wrote this initiative that says... Um, the language legal term was individual, which does not uh, does not have a difference between adults and minors. So parents would lose their right to become involved with their their kids, uh, um, nullifying the parents' rights to stop their children from making harmful decisions. That's that's number one. Number two, it allows abortion through nine months of pregnancy. Eighty percent of America. Uh, is against uh, abortion in the third trimester. This is a very extreme, basically, murder. 
uh, of of innocent human life all the way through the nine months of pregnancy. That that is a non-starter. Uh, uh, it enshrines the right uh, for sex change surgery and hormones for minors. And uh, it, there's just a lot of bad things about this that is not uh, good for Ohio. And it's really, I mean, the abortion issue gets debated a lot, whether it's women's right to choose or not. This is really an extreme ballot issue to go around the legislature because the legislature, the Ohio voters has voted in a supermajority of Republicans to the legislature. I believe Ohio is a strong Republican red state. And on this issue, we stand for pro-life and try to protect innocent human life. This is both people in state and out of state trying to go around the legislature and try to put abortion on demand on the ballot and in the Constitution, and we need to stop that. Now, there will be those. The the polls uh, have said that many folks are uh, a little bit closer to the middle uh, on this issue that uh, many Americans, not just in Ohio, but uh, Americans as a whole, uh, and I think of of Kansas as a, a perfect example, uh, also a very red state, but passed a similar uh, constitutional amendment uh, last year, I believe it was, um, pretty much said the same thing. And people were surprised by that. But again, the polls will will show that many Americans are a bit closer to the center uh, on this. And some will will say that this is perhaps a knee-jerk reaction to some of the extreme measures that the legislature has, has passed to restrict uh, abortion rights. With that in mind... Had has the legislature maybe overstepped a bit and gone uh, too far? If if the legislature had not uh, gone as far as it did to restrict rights, would we be dealing with this constitutional amendment right now? No, no, I don't think so because I don't think the legislature is made up of fifty fifty Republicans and Democrats. I think Chris that Republicans sent legislators like myself to go down and protect our rights. Uh, to protect our Second Amendment rights, to protect our First Amendment rights, as well as protecting innocent human life from birth to death. And and when you have a supermajority of uh, Republicans heading to the legislature that Ohio voters voted on, uh, this just tells me that they are trying to curb a supermajority vote. If your legislature was more balanced than 50-50 and, and Ohio was a purple state, uh, um you could make that argument. But in this case, I clearly see this. This happened in California when Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor and had to deal with a Democrat legislature he could never control. They ran ballot measures all the time to get around the legislature. Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is the same example uh, here in Ohio that the Democrats can't get anything uh, they want done on the House floor or the Senate floor, and they use the ballot initiative as the way to legislate. And that's just, you know, I'm not saying that people don't have a right to vote on constitutional issues, but but I believe we can deal with this properly in the legislature, uh, and people are sending us down to vote on that issue. I just want people to understand when you vote on issue one, what are you yeah. voting on? And, and why is. are you, and what is it really about? And what will it really, really do? And what are they hiding? Or what are they putting in there? And again, I can't, I can't stress this enough, Chris, when you 
when you put a, the term individual and you're not you're not uh, deciding John Cross at the age of 43 versus his son Carson O'Connor at the age of 13 or 8, and there's not a difference, uh, or Sally or Susie at the age of 13 or 8, uh, that that's a big problem. So I, we- I you know. The, Red flags all around on on issue one. We will leave it there uh, for now. But again, uh, clearly this is going to be uh, quite a bit of discussion over the next month uh, between now and the November election, particularly on, on issue one. Again, uh, State Representative John Cross this morning with us. Uh, Mr. Cross, thanks very much for taking the time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yes, sir. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Out of Tampa, Florida, Robert Dell has uh, been arrested, accused of running a retail crime ring and selling $3 million worth of stolen merchandise online. What makes this particularly interesting and worthy of the broken news is that uh, Robert Dell is a pastor at a local church. And director of a halfway house in Tampa, where he uh, he used the halfway house, his position as director of the halfway house, to recruit people to steal for him to perpetrate his his crime ring. <laughs> uh, Mr. Dell and co-conspirators reportedly stole from Home Depot locations up to six times daily. Investigators claim that Pastor Dell, Reverend Dell, would uh, then sell those stolen items on eBay under the account Anointed Liquidator. <laughs> Anointed Liquidator. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure the denomination uh, for the... What uh, denomination is that? <laughs> Anointed Liquidator. Uh, Mr. Dell's wife and mother have also been charged as co-conspirators. Scott Glenn of Home Depot said the number of thefts in the Tampa area actually dropped when uh, the pastor and his associates were charged. But uh, they're not necessarily hopeful that retail crimes will stop entirely. But a good number have been eliminated. Somebody else they said, we'll probably rise up and probably start doing the same thing in the absence of this group that was busted. But hopefully, hopefully it will not be another pastor. Um, <clears throat> and I'm guessing the halfway house now has a new director. I'm just guessing. Um Elsewhere in the broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines... A school bus driver in Long Island is now out of a job after being caught drinking and driving. She says she didn't know it was she says it was all a big mis- misunderstanding. She didn't know that white claws contained alcohol. <laughs> she didn't know that a white claw contained alcohol. Uh Amal Hannah she uh, said she grabbed a white claw from the fridge that she shares with her roommate. Um, and she had no idea that it was an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> she just thought it was an energy drink. Well, it'll give me energy temporarily anyway. Apparently, she will not face charges related to the incident. 
Uh, but she has lost her job. She insists it was just a mistake. For people like me that don't drink, how are they going to know that this is alcohol? I don't know. How do you not know that that's alcohol? Anyway, um, Ms. Hanna is undergoing chemotherapy, which impacts her sense of taste, which is how she apparently did not know that, uh, that it contained alcohol. And now that she's unemployed, uh, sadly, she's unsure of how she's going to continue her cancer treatment. So there is a sad aspect to the, uh, to the story. Um, one uh, parent of one of the students on her school bus route said, I can't imagine she would ever do anything to harm the kids deliberately. I do believe that it was a very honest mistake. But she is now out of a job. I didn't know that uh, White Claws contained alcohol. You just pay attention. That's, I mean, I still don't know. How do you not know? I thought everybody knew that White Claws contained alcohol. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. This uh, out of L.A. <laughs> where a judge has denied the reinstatement requests of two former L.A. police officers who were fired for playing Pokemon Go on the job. (laughs) They were fired for playing Pokemon Go on the job, and they had the audacity to petition the court for reinstatement. Over the weekend, the LAPD released dash cam video and audio of the cops ignoring a call, uh, ignoring a, a robbery call, Uh, Instead, they were heard discussing how to catch the Pokemon character Snorlax. They were so absorbed in their game of Pokemon Go on the job that they ignored a robbery call. Uh, Maybe if they just said that the uh, Snorlax was uh, perpetrating the robbery, maybe that would have done it. Uh, They were actually fired back in 2018 after the video was reviewed by a Los Angeles Police Department captain. The officers claimed the recordings should have been dismissed in court because they were private conversations. You are on the job! It's not private conversation. You are on the job! Man. Uh, let's see here. (laughs) A couple of other broken news items. Authorities are actively seeking a trio of thieves who orchestrated a brazen heist, making off with $20,000 worth of shoes from a uh, downtown uh, Lincoln, Nebraska shoe store last month. Made off with $20,000 worth of shoes from a shoe store in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska. According to news reports, security cameras captured the culprits in action as they broke into the store. Um, They uh, smashed a window, broke into the store. What makes this theft rather peculiar (laughs) is that the thieves pilfered only left shoes <laughs> from the store. Every 
Each pair of shoes that they stole uh, contained only the left shoes. The right shoes were in a separate room and were untouched. (laughs) Now, it's unclear (laughs) whether the trio realized that they were stealing $20,000 worth of left shoes. (laughs) Uh, The... uh, the trio of thieves last spotted making their getaway in a Volkswagen Atlas. As the investigation unfolds, authorities are urging anyone with information to contact the uh, Lincoln Police Department. <laughs> so if anybody comes up to you on the street and says, Hey, buddy, want to buy a left shoe? <laughs> I only sell you the left. You know that something fishy is going on. <laughs> that's that's embarrassing. <laughs> Make up with $20,000 worth of left shoes. <laughs> and and finally in the uh, broken news this morning, some San Francisco restaurants that offer bottomless brunches are imposing a new rule for customers who overindulge. The restaurants are now charging a cleanup fee for patrons who uh, drink too many mimosas and then bring it all back up, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Bottomless brunches, people have been taking advantage of that with uh, too many mimosas, and they've been having an issue. One restaurant in Oakland will charge customers who overindulge and don't make it you know into the restroom <laughs> in time a $50 cleaning fee another restaurant is uh, posting a sign that says uh, attention all mimosa lovers please drink responsibly and know your limits and not only the restaurants rideshare companies Uber and Lyft have been charging similar cleanup fees for patrons that are picked up from the bottomless brunches, uh, the range anywhere from twenty-five to one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> I don't know. I, here's a crazy thought: maybe rethink the whole bottomless brunch concept. You know, maybe that's not such a great idea after all. A limit on that. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music, but it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. The folks at WalletHub are out with their annual list of the safest cities in America. And the thing that I love about WalletHub's list is that they're they're really not subjective. They're all based on objective, uh, specific data to rank the uh, the cities. Uh, they use three 
overarching categories, uh, home and community safety, which includes uh, things like violent crime and uh, the number of law enforcement officers, um, traffic fatalities, drug overdoses, uh, road quality, and perception of safety. Um, So home and community safety uh, overall, number of terrorist attacks uh, or the potential for terrorist attacks, those kind of things. There's natural disaster risk is another category, which is pretty much self-explanatory. And then financial safety, which is things like unemployment and underemployment, uh, the foreclosure rate in a community, uh, the poverty rate, fraud complaints, identity theft complaints, uh, job security, employment growth, foreclosure, that kind of thing. So, Using those three overarching categories and a number of different metrics uh, in each, they ranked uh, cities in, across the country as the, the safest and, and least safe. The top safest cities are Nashua, New Hampshire at number one, Columbia, Maryland, and South Burlington, Vermont. Uh, at the bottom of the list, St. Louis, Fort Lauderdale, and Baton Rouge. But what was most interesting are where Ohio cities rank on this list. The top-ranked Ohio city, so the safest city in Ohio, according to Wallatub's rankings, Toledo. But not until number 130 out of 180 cities, 182 cities on the list. So Ohio didn't even show up on the list until number 130, and that is Toledo. Would you have guessed Toledo is the safest city in Ohio? Akron is right behind at number 131, Cincinnati at number 142, Columbus at number 162 out of 182, Uh, Cleveland, the lowest rated Ohio city on the list at number 168, Uh, So, and uh, Detroit, Michigan at number 178, just behind Baton Rouge, San Bernardino, Fort Lauderdale, and St. Louis. Uh, those were the uh, the bottom, what, five. So, much closer to the bottom than to the top, and that really surprised me for the cities in Ohio. We are coming up on the holiday season and details on some upcoming fall wellness programming from the Hancock County OSU Extension from uh, Jennifer Little, OH, uh, OSU Extension Educator, uh, the Family Consumer Sciences uh, Department. And uh, Jennifer, this is one of the things that you've got coming up is a dining with diabetes class. We mentioned the holiday season coming up. I would imagine this is really challenging for a lot of folks with uh, diabetes, uh, either who have or have diabetics in the family. Yes, yes. Um, yes, Dining with Diabetes is a, it's actually a nationwide program that, is, that um, various state extension offices uh, you know, offer. Um, here in Hancock County, it's been, um, it's been a great program. It's a four-week series. So um, as a part of that series, people who um, register can, will be receiving some instruction about diabetes with a registered dietitian there to answer questions, talking about different techniques for managing diabetes and those health, um, health side effects that can come along with this disease, like right. increased risk for heart, heart disease, mm-hmm. um, 
and kidney disease and those sorts of things. But along with that, the fun, you know, another fun part of that class is we do a cooking demonstration and the attendees get to eat a meal of diabetic friendly recipes um, that are tasty and they can actually, you know, learn about and get an, a, a, a cookbook at the end of a, a lot of different recipes that they can use. And this time of year, we do, we will try to feature specifically some, you know, traditional holiday sorts of foods right. that people can kind of in turn utilize in their own celebrations in a yeah. way that they can enjoy. You think of this time of year, so much of our celebrations revolve around food and uh, many sweet treats and, and so on from Halloween on, and uh, it really becomes a challenge. I would imagine this uh, is a is a class, I mean, it's it's obviously designed for those who have diabetes or maybe a spouse or a, mm-hmm. a close family member with diabetes, but even extended family members, uh, again, if you're going to be hosting a, a Thanksgiving gathering and you know that Uncle Bob is diabetic or you know Aunt Martha is pre-diabetic, maybe this is something that you don't deal with uh, every day, but it's something you have to be concerned with, especially this time of year. Would be good to yeah, and I I will some information yes, and I will say um, because there is a limit because it is kind of a, a very in depth class we mm-hmm. do have a limited enrollment so we definitely want to make sure that those living with diabetes and their immediate family members get priority um, and in fact this the series that's coming up and it actually starts next Tuesday and it's going to be running for the next four Tuesdays. It's going to be held at Blanchard Valley Hospital, but in their cardiac rehab kitchen. There's a nice demonstration kitchen there that allows us to do the cooking as well as um, the place for folks to eat and as well as to kind of hear a presentation, we do kind of a PowerPoint and some interactive activities. So it's a wonderful space for that. Um, and it's easy to get to. And of course, it's very accessible as far as, you know, parking and all that stuff for the hospital is. So, And for those who may just have some questions, may not be able to uh, get into the class because, again, it is limited or or may not have an, an interest in taking the entire class, mm-hmm. but have those uh, questions, you're always available. for. Yes, yes. They to. can reach out to me at the extension office, emailing me at little.18 at osu.edu. I also um, facilitate... Um, a diabetes support group that happens monthly at 50 North. In fact, it's the second Tuesday of the month. So actually later this morning we'll mm-hmm. be there. And we, um, it is a wonderful group for people living with diabetes and their loved ones. And um, we talk about a different topic every month and just have a great time just for sharing. And it's, I learn from these folks. They learn from each other. It's a wonderful experience. There's no cost to attendance at 50 North. So uh, resources that are available, again, just something to keep in mind as we come into the holiday season because it, it can be a bit of a challenge. And again, when we're surrounding uh, ourselves with extended family, this may be something that people encounter uh, that they don't necessarily deal with uh, all year long. So yeah. worth bringing up. Yes, for uh, sure. Speaking of uh, the holidays and uh, specifically Thanksgiving right around the corner, you have a uh, fall wellness program called Gather Your Gratitude uh, coming up, which kind of plays into the whole uh, Thanksgiving theme. Yes, here. yes. For um, the last couple of years, we have offered um, uh, a fall, spring and fall email wellness challenge. So we tried, again, this busy time of year, sometime taking time for our personal wellness 
can, you know, our first of all, it takes a back it's seat. It's the first thing. <laughs> it's the first thing that goes. Right, it's the right. first thing that yes. goes. And, um, but the email challenge is a, is a easy way to, um, to consider our own health and wellness. It is that it's an email challenge. So every week on Monday, you kind of get this Monday boost with ideas and things you can do for your own personal wellness. Again, every week there'll be kind of a little different theme. And then followed up with that, that email, informative email, giving you ideas and educating you in a brief, you know, few minutes of reading mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe an encouraging idea or something you can try on your own as far as a, a way to incorporate that knowledge to improve your own health and wellness. Um, and then there's a follow-up Wednesday um, well, webinar. So um, if you're more definitely more of an audio-visual learner or like that interactive activity, you can tune in over lunch hour for a, a free webinar. If you can't attend a, the webinar and you've registered to participate in the wellness, um, in the wellness challenge, you can get the recording and just watch it at your leisure anytime. And again, it's just taking that little bit of time for ourselves to make sure we're checking in. How is our mental health? Hey, are we taking time to get that physical activity? Are we doing things to de-stress? Are we doing? Are we making sure that we're getting the rest and, and um, things that we need? So again, focusing on some of those aspects of wellness during that holiday season and doing it in a, in a way that that doesn't add stress. You know, yeah. when we got, we got exactly. a lot on our plate already. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking uh, too. As I hear you talk about it, I mean, uh, the the fact that this is done online makes it so much easier uh, than actually having to go someplace. You know, putting one more thing on the calendar of uh, one more place I have to go. You can do this wherever you are at work, at home, at you know, on your own time. You know, on your own time frame. Uh, to make it easy. Yeah, so you can, um, you've got information on your website about signing up. We will ha- we yeah. have information on our Facebook page and our website. And um, and if you are one of those to-do list kind of people, there actually is an optional checklist that you can, you know, you go. check off that wellness stuff off that goes along with the email challenge that you can incorporate as, if you choose. <laughs> so uh, when does that start and when do folks need to sign up? Okay, so um, this, the email challenge starts um, on October 30th and okay. you can sign up for free as early as like the Friday before. Okay. Um, and that is just an, a, a simple, there's a, a go.osu.edu backslash L H L W Hancock. Okay. And of course that you've got that on your website right, as well, yeah. but you can Real sign up for that and um, looking forward to having a lot. Of, and the folks who are, um, work for Hancock County, those Hancock County employees, that's going to be a part of their wellness program. So those folks will get um, emails from their wellness committee about signing up as well. Terrific. And uh, Dining with Diabetes, you mentioned uh, the latest class starts a week from today. Yes. Uh, can folks still sign up for that one they as can, well? They can sign up um, through Friday. Okay. And we do have, um, a, there's a QR code that I provided with you. You guys can have on your website. Um, and we do have scholarships available. Normally the cost is about $40, but we've received um, a wonderful grant from the Community Foundation to allow folks that it might be a little bit more fixed income, people on Medicaid, people that might be receiving SNAP benefits, they can attend for free. And that's really kind of targeting that population this fall. All very important stuff. Uh, upcoming fall wellness programming from the Hancock County OSU Extension. Just 
A couple of the things among many that are going on at the Extension Office uh, through the month of October and into the holiday season. And again, uh, Hancock County OSU Extension Educator Jennifer Little with us this morning from Family and Super Sciences Department. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net for that. Coming up tomorrow on the program, exploring artificial intelligence and the fourth industrial revolution. Big, big topics to talk about. We have details on the 22nd Annual Information Assurance Forum at the University of Finlay. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.